unless you know why you're asking these questions, then I don't know how you could assess whether or not a candidate is the right person for your company. So I think first and foremost, make sure that anybody who's involved in the hiring process really knows what it means to hire and how to hire and how to assess talent. average CEO reads 60 books per year, and many attribute their success to this habit of constant learning. This is the difference between those who actualize and those who fail. This automization of their learning, this 1% better every day. On the MentorBox podcast, we're making it easy for you to build and maintain that same habit, the same type of constant lifelong learning as those CEOs, simply by listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and tune in for new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and every Friday. And if you want to dig deeper into what our incredible guests teach, make sure to go to mentorbox.com and become a member today. Everyone, welcome to the MentorBox Podcast. You are here because you believe that you are capable of achieving, experiencing, and then giving back to your community and family everything and anything you choose to focus your attention on. But you also believe that before action comes knowledge, which is why today we're speaking with Roberta Matchison. Again, that's right. The talent maximizer is back, this time with her book, The Magnetic Leader. We'll discuss how you can become a leader that draws not only greater profits and growth, but also more enthusiastic, intelligent, and happy employees. Because Roberta is a contributor at LinkedIn and a master of the platform, she shares some tips on creating an online profile that will get you connected with the right people. Be ready to take notes on this one. Happy listening. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Mentor Box Podcast. This is Tyler, your content coordinator, host today, and I'm with Roberta Matchison. We've actually spent time with her previously for her book, Suddenly in Charge. Today, she's doing a shoot with us on The Magnetic Leader, her newest book. Roberta, thank you so much for coming in today. Wow, it's absolutely my pleasure to come to New York City and spend time with you guys again. (laughs) Yes, this has been a great shoot so far. So tell me a bit about The Magnetic Leader. You're obviously globally known as a a great talent acquirer and leadership trainer. Tell me about the core of this book. Well, as an expert on the topic of leadership, I have done lots and lots of research. I've worked with global companies, um, including General Motors. I've worked with companies like New Balance and uh, the Boston Beer Company. And and, Microsoft too, right? And Microsoft, yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And what I have found is that great companies have great leaders. Absolutely. And I don't think that's just a coincidence. And so when I wrote my second book, Talent Magnetism, when I got done writing the book, I read it. And then I said, aha, the common key here to the success of organizations that are able to attract top talent that sticks around comes down to the leader. Mm -hmm. And that was the premise and is the premise behind the magnetic leader, how irresistible leaders attract employees, customers, and profits. And you just came from a shoot with LinkedIn recently, right? And you mentioned that you met some wonderfully magnetic leaders there. Tell us a bit more about that. 
Well, what I found that was so interesting, having spent time out at LinkedIn at their offices in Santa Barbara and Carpinteria, is that uh, a lot of their leaders who are absolutely fantastic, they didn't necessarily start out that way. Mm-hmm. And I write about that in my book, The Magnetic Leader, the fact that you can go from a manager, you know, an okay manager to uh, the position of a magnetic leader, um, it is definitely possible. But what they do at LinkedIn that I have found that is so remarkable is that they really invest in their people. Mm -hmm. They really invest in their leaders. And they don't expect that, you know, well, you know, you're in charge, Tyler, Uh, you're a manager, you're going to be great. It's (laughs) like, and here's your coach and here's your courses that you're going to go to. And here's how we're going to help you achieve your full potential. So they do supply mentors and that sort of thing. They they really work side by side with their leaders. And and Mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of the listeners today, um, if they only take away one thing, Mm -hmm. it would be to really invest in your leaders. You can't make a better investment. We talked about the importance of this today, actually, in your workshop, that leaders have their own leaders, that they have their own mentors. And I think that's something that people can very easily forget when they are mentor box members too. People that are as ambitious as that, they want to be the game changers and the innovators and they have to remember, especially if they are members of MentorBox, we're called MentorBox, but it's important always to make sure that they themselves have mentors and then are also giving those who they're delegating their biggest jobs to, their, you know, their sub-leaders, that they have a proper mentorship program too. And I just think that is, that's so important to have as sort of an ethos of your company. I couldn't agree more. In fact, I worked with General Motors when they first rolled out their mentor program. Oh. And one of the things that we did that I thought was pretty amazing is that we didn't make any assumptions. We didn't assume that people knew what a mentor was. We didn't assume that a mentor, um, somebody who was a mentor, knew what their role was. And we also didn't make the assumption that a mentee, the person who's receiving the mentor, knew what their role was in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we really gave them a lot of tools and uh, ideas around how to be successful in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, the program has been a huge success, and I'm so glad that I was part of that launch. That's great. I understand that you are a bit of an expert on LinkedIn. It's it's obviously a, a rapidly growing platform with such incredible potential for its individual users. You can achieve so much from, of course, you know, finding a job, finding employees to just networking and meeting people and aligning interests and just achieving more. And I want to talk about how to optimize your use of that platform. You told us that you have a very wide network on LinkedIn earlier today. And I'm curious as to kind of what you've learned working directly with them, but also as just a member of LinkedIn and kind of what you may have achieved personally through uh, the use of LinkedIn. Well, it's a very timely subject as I just landed my first client who found me through LinkedIn. Oh. And, you know, I do a lot of executive coaching. I'm usually brought in through the organization, through uh, one of the executives there. But this person happened to observe uh, my articles, my posts, and said, hey, you know, this is somebody that I would like to get to know and work with. And so we just started last week. Mm -hmm. And that just shows me the power of getting to know somebody these days. We've never met in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've never Skyped. 
and here we are. And she's now, uh, I'm going to help her dramatically improve her leadership skills. And so for our listeners today, I think the power of LinkedIn is really in each person's own hands. Mm -hmm. And you can choose to be a passive user, meaning you put up your profile, you use a picture that your cousin Danny took, you know, at a bar mitzvah two years ago, (laughs) right? And you say, okay, that's it. And then you take your resume and you slap it up there. Mm -hmm. Or you can be more diligent and more mindful and ask yourself, what exactly do I want to get out of my LinkedIn, my time on LinkedIn? Mm -hmm. You know, do I want to be seen as a thought leader? Do I want to be attractive to other employers? Mm -hmm. Do I, as a manager, want to be attractive so that employees are reaching out to me, potential employers? Mm -hmm. Companies today, they are using LinkedIn to boost their employer brand, and I do a lot of work with those with organizations to help them uh, present themselves in a way that's extremely positive and, and enables them to attract talent through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And today, because LinkedIn is now a source where companies can post jobs, uh, people will go on to LinkedIn, they will get a notice that, hey, there's a job that looks like it's good for you. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing they'll do is they'll go look at the organization and see, well, what's this company all about? And then they'll also um, check out, you know, people to see if there's other people in their network Mm -hmm. that can give them an introduction. So it's an extremely powerful tool. And my guess is that most people aren't using it all that effectively. They're just very passive. Yeah, I would agree with that. From what I understand, most people don't quite see it as powerful as some of the other social media platforms. I mean, this is, of course, a more professionally oriented one. And I think it's grown so wildly so recently. Uh, you mentioned you know, using posts and things like that to find your first client. What, let's look at it from the different perspectives that you can approach LinkedIn. So you can you know, be a, a business entity or an, an individual seeking employees or even clients, or you can be a person seeking work. So let's, let's take it from your perspective then. What do you think are the most effective tools for finding clients? You, you, know, you, you posted, you made some posts. You know, what, is, is that a good tool, the ability to post? And how do you think about creating those posts? What's your process for creating those? Well, I, first of all, let me just clarify this. This was not my first client ever. Okay. Yeah. First <laughs> this LinkedIn client. my first client. client that came about through social media. Okay. So um, as long as we're clear on that. Yes. And so. She's a very successful uh, <laughs> I have and, lots and, of clients. <laughs> uh, so what I have done is I, I find that consistency trumps perfection every time. Mm -hmm. And so I, on average, will write about three articles a week minimum and post them on LinkedIn. You could also just do short posts, you know, three or four sentences. The key is to really try to uh, post about articles that are about topics that are topical. So for example, uh, yesterday, the um, employment numbers came out. And our economy is in great shape. Mm -hmm. And so I posted an article on uh, how you can get your slice of the talent pool Mm -hmm. and related that to the numbers 
that came out and why it's so important for yeah. organizations to look at how they're looking to attract talent. So this sounds like something that would be probably a more robust post for you, not, you know, a couple sentences, but more analytical and maybe a bit longer. Um, on average, I'd say maybe 600 words. Okay. You know, people are time starved. But then what I will do is I'll take a few uh, snippets mm -hmm. and I'll post those later on in the day. And then I'll oh, also, okay. I do a lot of um, repurposing and then I'll move it over to Twitter. Yeah. Um, I'll also maybe include that piece in my newsletter if I think it's, wow, that was a great piece. I think I should share it more widely. Mm -hmm. And so the great thing about um, LinkedIn and being able to post on there is that you own the IP, mm -hmm. the intellectual property. You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And so for those people who are working in corporations, um, it's a great way to build your thought leadership. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you know, if you're working for a company, you want to make sure, you know, if there's any rules against, you know, posting, uh, you know what the, what the rules are. Of course. But uh, I think it's a great way if you're a job seeker to get people to take notice and say, you know, wow, this person thinks a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. This is somebody that I want to get to know. Yeah. And so in that vein, what I always try to do is I don't follow the crowd. If everyone says this is a great time to be hiring, I'll write about why this is the worst time to be hiring. <laughs> okay. Because then you'll be more intrigued. You're like, well, why is that? It's because everybody's trying to hire, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, trying to take a contrarian position will make you more of a person of interest. Okay. So it sounds like you are sort of dedicated to becoming that sort of thought leader. In in being a consistent producer of content, you establish establish yourself more than you already are established, I guess, as somebody who is consistently addressing, you know, the ideas of employment and um, optimization of hiring practices, workforce management, et cetera. You're continuously posting on that thing to, to prove and to keep yourself in that realm of expertise along that topic. Do you suggest that everybody or everybody and anybody, you know, within their niche, try to do the same, you know, as far as consistency of their posts and addressing it through their lens? Well, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I do a lot of blogging. I blog for Fast Company. I blog for Forbes. You know, on some of those channels, you have to be a little more careful what you say. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll be like put back in your swim lane. Mm -hmm. um, with LinkedIn, that's not the case. Yeah. Nobody's reading it saying, you can't say that or you can't write about your friend who happens to be an author. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot more flexibility. Okay. And, you know, the other thing that I find that really helps me get more content out there is that I, this is Roberta unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah. I just write and, you know, I don't go back oftentimes and read it. I don't mm. check to make sure it's perfect. It's like, this is what I'm thinking and here's what I have to say. And if you're interested in reading it, mm -hmm. here it is. That's really interesting. The sort of democratization of posts like this, because I've seen a lot of, I've seen so many people that I historically wouldn't expect to be creating content, you know, from different spheres of the, of the workforce now doing so on LinkedIn exclusively because of the freedom that they have. They have the option and the ability to write about whatever they want without, you know, strong editorial oversight. And I think that obviously creates, you know, a lot more, it creates issues in terms of the the safety of the content and how you know controversial you might be, but that could be good for some people. But it also is sort of a democratizing thing. More people can write more posts, 
then the issue to me is the visibility of that. How do you make sure that people are seeing what you're writing, especially if you're not somebody with the clout that maybe you, Roberta Matchison, already have? Well, let's be clear here. I didn't start out with the clout. And mm-hmm. um, what has happened with me is that I had my first commercially published book. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of people writing books and there are lots of self-published books. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some of them are great but there's nothing like a commercially published book. Of course. Because somebody says, uh, you know, in the publishing industry, this book is worth our investment. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I was able to get picked up by some high-profile blogging sites. Yeah. Um, I write, like, probably five times a week. Wow. I mean, I'm in a busy writing schedule. I'm always looking around. There is a story everywhere. Oh, of course. Everywhere. And people (laughs) say to me, you know, well, I don't know what to write about. I'm like, oh my gosh, like write about the waiter that we just had who was spectacular or write about the hotel room that we had to move out of because, you know, they decided it was okay to put us there, but, you know, it wasn't a place that you would put your dog. Mm -hmm. And so I look around and I'm very observant Mm -hmm. and I connect that to the workplace. I'm also really, really good at looking at trends and making Mm -hmm. predictions. Okay. So for example, like, you know, I told when Snapchat or Snap went public, I said, you know, the employees need to snap out of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because if they don't take their shares and diversify, they're going to find themselves broke. And lo and behold, you know, the prices of Mm -hmm. their stock has not done particularly well. Yeah. And people were writing to me like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> I, I worked Just for, wait. <laughs> I worked for a company that went public. Yep. Um, I had stock options. I diversified mm-hmm. and I'm sure as heck glad I did. Yeah. So I know what it's like, but I'm always thinking about like my next story. What am what am I going to write about? Mm-hmm. And then I just put it out there. Hey, hate to interrupt this conversation with Roberta Matchison, but just wanted to let you know where you can go a bit deeper with her teachings. She did a full workshop with us on the characteristics of magnetic leaders, how to make your business more efficient by cultivating better relationships with your employees, and when to know that even if you are a leader, that you also need leaders and mentors yourself. As usual, she taught this exclusively for MentorBox members, so to access all that, plus tons more, go to MentorBox.com. Okie dokie, back to the show. So what about folks who are, you know, just starting out posting on LinkedIn, people that might, you know, job seekers, let's think of it from that perspective. How does one who might be, be just beginning to write content, maybe they're, they've taken this advice that you've already given and they're doing it consistently. How do they make sure that it gets seen by the right people? What do they have to do within the platform? Well, they have to make sure that they actually have connections. Yeah. Okay. Because when you, yeah, step one is to have connections and then you Mm -hmm. can say to your connections, um, or belong to different groups, Mm -hmm. you know, just posted an article on, you know, 10 ways to use, you know, to be agile. Yeah. So really just showing the fact that they're a thought leader Mm -hmm. in their area. As you write more, more people will begin to follow you. Mm -hmm. And so as you build your following, as you publish, you will watch it grow. And when that happens, I mean, I can write a post and sometimes I'll have like 75,000 
125,000 views in like, you know, a couple of days. That's a good number for the frequency with which you write the post. It is a good number, but you know, the reality is, you know, between you and me and everyone else listening, so what? Yeah. Right. What do I do with that? And so rather than, you know, patting myself on the back saying, Mm -hmm. wow, I'm just incredible and amazing. (laughs) um, I write another article. Yeah, of course. Because a week from now, it means nothing. No one's going to remember it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the idea is to remain in the spotlight. And so for your job seekers out there listening, you want to just be visible. Yeah. For the magnetic leaders, those of you who are trying to elevate yourself into that space, you want to constantly be visible. Mm -hmm. So it's really about visibility. Yeah. So let's think then from the the perspective of a leader who's seeking to be more magnetic, how would you suggest such a person use LinkedIn in seeking to hire folks, in just seeking to establish an online presence that is welcoming, that is comforting, and some something that makes people want to apply to work with that person? Okay. Well, first I'm going to start off by saying pay attention to what others are posting. Um, so for example, uh, several weeks ago, I was uh, had an Uber driver pick me up at five in the morning to go out to the airport. And in our conversation, because I always talk to my driver, it turns out that this gentleman is a salalesperson. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about salespeople today, and I believe you do, <laughs> since I've you're been a one. <laughs> former one, I think the unemployment rate for salespeople is like 3.1%, like mm-hmm. impossible. And here's this guy whose company was bought out and he's now available. Mm-hmm. And so I thought he was amazing. He was very personable. He got up at five o'clock every morning, drove from Rhode Island to Massachusetts to drive for Uber. Mm-hmm. And um, I posted about that and I said, hey, you know, everyone, this morning, I had the most incredible Uber driver who happens to be a sales rep, mm-hmm. you know, and if anyone's interested, I will be happy to connect you. Okay. Do you know how many responses I got? Many? Zero. Zero. Okay. Zero. Absolutely zero. And I told a little bit more about his story, what he was doing and why I thought he was so terrific. And not one single hiring manager, not one single VP of sales reached out to me and said, I need this guy's name Mm -hmm. and number connect me. So this, this brings a couple of questions to mind for me. So, I mean, is it the fact that he is more or less invisible on, in the right spaces? You know, I mean, he's an Uber driver, but he might not even have a LinkedIn profile. I'm also curious as to why, you know, somebody like you posting about him wouldn't draw some attention. Like you obviously being a great authority. I am puzzled myself. You're puzzled. If I had an answer, I would (laughs) tell you. The answer is that hiring managers are relying on their HR people to fill their jobs. And their HR people are so overwhelmed today. Mm -hmm. They have so many job openings that there is no way in heck that they're going to fill your jobs. And so if you're a hiring manager, you need to really take the reins and start to look for people. I'll give you another example. And in the interest of transparency, this is my son. My son is a 4.0 computer science major at Drexel University. And I posted on his behalf if anyone was looking for an intern in IT. And as you know, in the technology field, it's (laughs) impossible to find people. And here I am willing to give you a 4.0 student. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, know. he had a couple of people as a result of that posting reach out to me Mm -hmm. and say, you know, I'd be interested in talking to your son. By the way, as of right now, he's still looking (laughs) because uh, none of those panned out or they were looking for juniors. 
But in today's environment, he's a freshman. He's a freshman. And in today's environment, companies like KPMG, they're starting to wine and dine the sophomores and the freshmen because they are building relationships with the hope that these people, when they're juniors, will come internship, do an internship and seniors, and they will hire them. And so if you're listening and you want them, let me know, (laughs) you know, Roberta at matchesandconsulting.com. But the point is, is that there are people like me who are announcing people they know that are looking for jobs and you have a job and you're not having any luck filling it. So pay attention to what's being posted. Yeah. You mentioned today that you feel like hiring managers and folks who are doing the hiring are a bit too stringent or kind of blinded by the classic guidelines of how to sort of screen an applicant and what requirements they must have. So it's not always essential that somebody has that four-year degree or even a two-year degree, depending on what the job is. But it seems like so many people just feel obligated to just put that restriction on an, you know, an application form is, you know, if you don't have a four-year degree, you simply can't do this. Even though one might intuitively think that's, that could be wrong. You know, a person doesn't need that to be, you know, an executive assistant, even if it is a, a very difficult position. Do you think there needs to be a sort of sea change that will, you know, invite people maybe without those sort of categorical qualifications to apply to different jobs and hiring managers need to think of, of their openings in that way? I think hiring managers need to definitely rethink the qualifications they're asking yeah, for. Just be more critical because of them. a lot of them are not necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even see this in my kids' um, education. Uh, you know, I was talking to my daughter last night about mm-hmm. history. She was studying government, and you know, one of the questions on the exam was, you know, what year was this president in office? Mm-hmm. And I thought. Okay, so she was off by two years, confession here. But it's like, who cares? Like, just the fact that she knew he was like the 35th president, that's good enough. Like, why do we have these crazy requirements? Why do you have to have a college degree to program? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have, you know, people in our community who are gamers, you know, who could out-program anybody who went to, you know, some very prestigious organ, you know, colleges. Yeah, I know those kids. Absolutely. Right. So why are we not looking at them, especially at a time when we cannot fill jobs? Mm -hmm. Another thing that you said though, is that we should be really optimizing who is involved in the hiring process and not kind of overwhelming applicants and making sure that we're really getting as, as few people that are as effective at sort of screening the applicants as possible. So what I think of when you say this sort of thing, where we don't necessarily need to force a degree upon somebody to even accept them into the applicant pool, it might take a bit more screening and of an interview process to confirm that somebody without a degree can in fact code. How do you suggest kind of bridging that gap between those two ideas? Well, first of all, I think what we have to do is make sure that our hiring managers are actually trained and know how to hire. Yeah. And um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was doing some work for an organization where I was going in and teaching their team how to be a hiring machine. Mm -hmm. And as part of that process, it was about how do you select for success? It's a program that I offer. And What happened that was pretty startling to me is that at the end of the program, um, I had a very experienced manager, she was probably in her early 50s, come up to me and say, you know, I've been interviewing for years 
And for the first time ever, I actually know why I'm asking these questions. Hmm. You know, she had just been going through her list, check, 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 check. She wasn't paying attention to any of the behaviors of the person being interviewed. She couldn't tell if they were enthusiastic or they were half dead, none of that. And yet, you know, she'd get to the the interview and say, okay, this is somebody we could hire or not. Mm -hmm. And unless you know why you're asking these questions, then I don't know how you could assess whether or not a candidate is the right person for your company. Mm -hmm. So I think first and foremost, make sure that anybody who's involved in the hiring process really knows what it means to hire and how to hire and how to assess talent. Mm -hmm. I think a good action item for such people is to read the magnetic leader and and learn for themselves what some of the, the traits of a leader who understands the importance of, you know, hiring and training are. And I think a good one in your sort of seven traits that you lay out is, well, two of them, authenticity and transparency. The authenticity part is obviously so, so important, but being authentic and, and transparent with your duties and with your roles ensures that all you're doing is is not just, you're not just checking off boxes. It ensures that you're doing that because you believe in the system that you find yourself in within you know that company structure and that the ultimate goal of that company is something that you equally believe in. If you're being authentic with that, then that's the reason that you're in the space. If you're not being authentic, then you probably shouldn't be performing those duties, I think. And embracing those principles should encourage you to approach your hiring with the same, you know, vigor and excitement as as the rest of the job, essentially. Would you agree? Yes. And I believe so much in transparency that about halfway through an interview, I might say to a candidate, you know, I really want to be respectful of your time. And it appears to me like this job is not the right fit for you. Okay. But guess what? I have a friend who works over at this company. And Mm. if you'd like, I would be happy to send your resume to her. Wow. Would you like me to do that? I mean, that's just being respectful. Like, why am I going to waste your time and sit through this whole interviewing process for a complete hour? Yeah. And I am not going to hire you. You know, I know that. And you may know that. That's really respectful. (laughs) Well, yeah. And so then what happens is I get the reputation. Wow, she was really honest. No one's ever done that. Yeah. And I would only say that if I thought that candidate was good for another company. Mm -hmm. I would still cut the interview short if I didn't think it was the right fit for us. Yeah. But, um, you know, I believe that when you put it out there, good things will come back. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing that we spoke about is the importance of these traits toward ensuring that your company just has good referrals and reviews and online with all the systems where you can just pump out a review on your phone after you, you know, get fired or after you go through an interview or after you just buy something from a, from a retail location, it's important to treat everybody with, with great care, especially leaders need to be doing that because of the amount of people that they're interacting with within and without the company. You want to make sure that your, that your business looks good to people on the outside, whether they're looking to do business with you or work for you. And it's the right thing to do. I mean, yes. just treating people with respect. <laughs> I mean, like, what's wrong with that? Of course. Yeah. I, but I, I love that idea of actually saying, you know, if you think something is available, 
I think you might fit better in this position and I'm going to connect you with that person. That's, that's something that I've never really thought about is why, why can't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? If, if you think about it, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So, so then, so before we wrap up, I'd like to just address our, our common home that we share right now, or I guess I recently moved to San Francisco, but I've spent all my life in Boston and you currently live in Boston. And apparently we lived within a mile of each other without knowing it for the past couple of years, actually. And I understand that you like seafood as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Lobster rolls. and I mean, who doesn't? Well, apparently a lot of people. I didn't understand. Well, good. There's but... more for us. <laughs> there we go. I love good old clam bake with some steamers and some lobster legs and all that good stuff. Yeah, I stuff. love the steamers too. <laughs> <laughs> you have a place on the Cape, is that yes, right? Yes, yes, right by the ocean. Oh. Not on it, but hopefully one day. I'm jealous. That sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun. Well, I guess we can wrap up there. Let's give a quick call to action to our listeners. Um, the Magnetic Leader is the book. Subtitle is How Irresistible Leaders Attract Employees, Customers, and Profits. And you also have Suddenly in Charge and a few other books that you mentioned as well. Uh, make sure to check those out, guys. Where can our listeners learn more about you and contact you? Well, they can reach out to me at Roberta at matchesonconsulting.com. They can sign up for my newsletter and hear from me monthly. And um, they can uh, just visit the website. There's lots and lots of free resources. But I'm very, very open. If someone has a question, they can just reach out to me directly and uh, happy to help the world add more magnetic leaders. Great. The email is roberta at matchesonconsulting.com. Yes, that's right. And matchison, M-A-T-U-S-O-N. Absolutely. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. Everybody else, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the MentorBox podcast. If you want to learn more about what our authors, as well as all of our authors teach, make sure to sign up at mentorbox.com. And if you like the MentorBox podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts as that helps us get discovered by more people who will enjoy and be helped by what we do over here at MentorBox. Also, if you think of anyone who would enjoy or be helped by what we do here at MentorBox, be sure to let them know. We do what we do at MentorBox to try to make the world a better place through the incredible education our authors bring. And we can only do that through your help. So please help us spread the word. Again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the next MentorBox podcast.